1: Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience here in Mississippi at WYAD, 94.1 FM, and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in through our online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could join us as well. We're excited to welcome back to our program today, Linda Cohen's to Mentor Program. She's written some amazing books in the past, and her newest one is no different. It's called The Matchmaker's Gift. We're going to talk to Linda not only about what it's been like for her to be on this storytelling journey, but also what it's been like for her to hear from readers like myself and, of course, what she hopes you're able to take away from the new book. Linda, so glad to have you back on with us. Welcome back.
0: Well, thank you, Cyrus. I'm so excited to talk to you. I, it doesn't feel like I have a book out in the world if I don't get to talk to you. That's, a, <laughs> that's how I know that I have a book.
1: Well, that is very kind of you, Linda. I appreciate that. It's been, I should say for our audience, it it, it doesn't seem like it's been a while since we talked because we stay connected on social, of course. But you have been one of these storytellers I've definitely enjoyed reading and definitely talking to ever since the Two Family House. I want to go back there for a second, Linda, before we get into the Matchmaker's gift. What has this journey been like for you to be with that first book and now to see the way that things have evolved for you as a storyteller?
0: It's been, it's just been so nice. I mean, I never really thought anyone would read my first book, so
1: now to be
0: writing, you know, to be publishing a third book feels great. Um, I think with my first two books, I drew a lot of inspiration from my family stories, and I kind of wrote all of that and captured a lot of a lot of that in my first two books. And this book is different. You know, this book is has no I don't take any inspiration really from my family stories. There's there's a little bit of my grandmother in in one of the characters, but it's okay. really different. It's it's more of just like the joy of telling a fun warm story. So it's kind yeah. of like I you know like I I feel like I've graduated a little bit to telling just sort of more original stories, I think just the the stories that just like fill up my imagination. So that's been a very fun
1: thing, especially with this book. You know, it's it's interesting as a reader hearing you say that, Linda, because I go back to, again, reading The, the Two Family House. And I can honestly say, and I think I may have even said that I had never read a story like that before. Uh, and the fact that that was your debut to the world, you know, I think, I mean, was really setting the bar high for you. <laughs> but I think uh, as the response showed, I mean, readers definitely gravitated toward it so is it at this point, Linda, does it feel real for you? Does this feel like home for you when it comes to publishing a book, having readers, and now having conversations like this about it?
0: Yeah, I I think, you know, I used to be a lawyer before I was a writer, and I never really loved practicing law. But when I'm doing this, it feels like I'm doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. There's a real yeah. satisfaction that comes from it. The the writing, the, the telling of the story – the sort of discussing what the story means, all of it. You know, like I love coming on and talking to you. I love talking about stories. I love talking about writing. Um, It's all just something that feels very natural and very, I mean, I don't want to say it's easy because it's never easy to write a book, but it's, it's sure a lot easier than being a lawyer was for me.
1: Wow. Well, speaking of your gift, that's a great tie-in, actually, to the matchmaker's gift and and what we're able to see about Sarah Glickman. I want to talk about this and talk around some things because I, I did find, you know, as I do, as I read a lot of books, Linda, I, I went into this book not knowing what to expect, as I try to do with every book because I just like the experience of where the book takes me. But I like right. the way that the word gift has so many different applications in this book. So I want to ask you as a broad question, did you know that would be the case when you, the story first came to you, that this idea of a gift and the responsibility that comes with a gift, like the gift that you have, that, that it would be such a big part of this?
0: I mean, it's a, the way this story came about was really interesting, and at first it was just you know, I'm going to write a matchmaker story. Um, okay. And actually, the way that it all came about was a gift. So, the I, I the, the spark for the story came during the COVID lockdown because my daughter was in college and she called me on a Tuesday crying and she was sent home from school. You know, they, like all the kids were, they had to leave. Yeah. And she came home and stayed with us. And but she brought her roommate. Um, with her too, and her roommate, um, and I've dedicated this book to the to the two of them because they were like our COVID blessing, you know. Like her roommate was my bonus child, my bonus daughter, and she, in the course of the six months that she stayed with us, she told me um, about her grandmother. We were watching, we were binge watching Indian matchmaking on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it's Irish, but it's a good one. Um, It's a good one. And she she happened to just mention that her grandmother had been an Orthodox Jewish matchmaker. And she showed – there was an article in the New York Times about her grandmother. And that was what started me thinking about a matchmaker story. Before that, I hadn't been thinking about it at all. And so, like, what a gift was that, like, to just have her give me that spark for for a whole new story. Um, And then when I went to – but, you know, when you think about a matchmaking story, you think – it sounds like a romance, but I don't write romance. I write historical fiction. So I had to come at it from a historical point of view. And that was when just there, there were so many blessings, so many gifts that were sort of like given to me throughout the writing of this story. There were so many people who wanted to help me, you know, who wanted to contribute their knowledge about what the Lower East Side was like at that time. What just like the Yiddish phrases that I throw in the, just what marriage was like at that time. One of my law school um, friends, found out I was writing a book about a matchmaker and happened to have written her dissertation on marriage like in the late 1800s, early 1900s in this country. And so like lots of people sort of were like their curiosity was piqued um, and they were just offering me help, which was really wonderful. Um, And in terms of the story, of the gift in the story, when I knew, once I decided, okay, this is going to be, set in the 1910s, 1920s for one time period, and then the 1994 for the other time period. Then it became a question of what's, you know, what's going to happen? What is this matchmaker doing? And I knew she had to have a talent. She, there was something that she had to have. So she does have this calling, which is her gift. Um, and, of course, for her granddaughter, it doesn't feel like a gift because her granddaughter is this cynical divorce attorney, and, it, and, and the gift that she inherits really gets in the way of her job and causes a lot of problems for her. So that's the irony of the gift in that, in that situation. Um, But the tagline for this book that sort of the, you know, we all came up with was, you know, is finding true love or being able to see true love, is it a calling or a curse? You know, is it a gift or is it something different? So it's a question that I think I continue to sort of layer onto and layer meanings onto as as I was writing this story, and I hope that readers will think about it in lots of different ways, too.
1: What was it like for you, Linda, in, because it, and I'm so glad you mentioned about writing uh, historical fiction, because for those who may just be picking up this as their first book uh, from you, I think that I love the back and forth in this book, but I also love the way that relationships are looked at differently in each time. And, and so I want to talk to you about what was that like for you to think about Sarah's time and what she was dealing with and the challenges there, and then as you mentioned uh, with Abby, and Abby and the way that that marriage was looked at and their view of love and relationships.
0: So Sarah is... When we first meet Sarah, it's nineteen ten and she she comes over you know she's an immigrant she comes over to New york City on a on a ship and the first time she realizes her gift she she finds a husband for her sister on the on the boat coming to this country and so it's a very sort of warm and cozy kind of it's it's slightly you know there's a little touch of magic to it, and it feels that way. And I think part of why it can feel that way is because it's set in the past, and it's also the relationships. Then, I mean, the relationships in the story that I that I touch on are very whimsical. There's a lot of charm to them, and that's partly because they're they're based on real. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are based on real stories that I read. Um, There's a she matches the daughter of the quote-unquote pickle king of the Lower East Side to someone, and that was based on a real wedding that was written up in the New York Times um, of, in 1909, the daughter of, of a pickle millionaire got married, and she matches someone from whose family owns a knish shop on the Lower East Side to someone else whose family owns the competing knish shop, which is based on the real knish wars of 1916. So there are these whimsical, very sort of... there. They're sweet. They're very. They're easy to sort of swallow. These romances. They're. They feel like they're meant to happen. Um, there's something very lovely about them. In Abby's situation, of course, she's in the 1990s. She's 1994. It's the year that Charles and Diana, actually in real life, you know, Princess um, Diana and Prince Charles got divorced, and that. So there's like references to that. It was like, you know, a, definitely a harder time period. of, of – a more ferocious sort of vision of love, I think. And she is a divorce attorney, so her job is to be facilitating the breakups of people. And she doesn't really believe in love. She doesn't really believe in marriage. And she's had, you know, these sort of traumatic incidents in her childhood watching her parents go through a divorce. So for her, love is a very different thing, and she's not even sure that she believes in it at all. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's what makes a story so interesting. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to Conversations Live. Linda, I, I think that one of the most fascinating things that I probably read a couple of times was the interaction between um, the, the character Sarah that we mentioned but also Gabrielle. I want to talk about that dynamic because as Sarah's kind of talking about the process and, the, and we'll talk around this but talk about what's been the result of, of her gift It really does show, and again, that's why I think the word gift is so interesting in this book because, especially for yourself being an author, we all know that not everyone sees the gift that other people have to bring. It doesn't make the gift not being there. Not everyone sees it. That's what Sarah, to me, kind of exemplifies in this book. What was it like for you to feel a connection with her as you share your own gift?
0: I mean, writing about someone who has this special talent, um, it's it's very heartwarming. I mean, writing this book brought me a lot of joy. And so this, honestly, I mean, we could use the, gift, the word gift a hundred times in this talk of between the two of yeah. us because, you know, like when, when I was writing it, this story, what, it became an escape for me during a very dark time in our collective history. You know, it was like the time in lockdown when it was scary, which, you know, we all remember. I don't think we've forgotten yet, you know, that... Right. In the beginning, we were all really afraid that we were going to get sick, that a family member was going to get sick, um, that, you know, we couldn't – the whole world just seemed so dark. Um, And so when I I write, when I'm really into writing a story, when I'm really in the thick of it, I go to sleep at night and I think about my characters. That's how I fall asleep. I think about what my characters are going to do next. And that's always an escape. But at that time during lockdown, this is a particularly – needed wonderful escape because before I decided to write this story, before I was really in the thick of writing it, I was lying awake at night, not falling asleep at all. You know, I was just lying awake at night worrying as so many of us were. And so to have this sort of other world to go to, to explore Sarah's gift, to explore their relationship, this grandmother, granddaughter love between the two of them, to explore all of that um, was was really a wonderful bomb for my you know, bomb for my heart, for my soul while I was while I was stuck at
1: home. Yeah. And and I think again I, I do feel like in and I'm curious and you don't have to tell me, I guess, but um did you feel more of a connection to Sarah than to Abby?
0: It's interesting because, you know, writing like I said, writing historical fiction is that's my sweet spot. So writing about the past just always feels easier to me. I don't know if there's a richness to the language, if there's something about it. It just feels easier. So I'm not... I I felt a very strong connection to Sarah. Um, She was the character who I envisioned first. So she was the one who I came up with first. But Abby... I also became very connected to you know, part of it is I'm pretty much the same age as Abby. Abby is a young like lawyer in nineteen ninety four and I was a young lawyer in nineteen ninety four. So I do feel I felt a strong connection to her as well. Um but but Sarah was definitely the character who, who was born in my head first. You know, she was she was the the jumping off point for the story. Which I think is the opposite of a lot of stories where You know, there's a trope that a lot of authors use where there's a modern character and then there are flashbacks to the past based on a letter or a piece of jewelry or something. I didn't want this to be tropey like that. Um, And so this book isn't, it's not a modern book with just little flashbacks to the past. It's really true, two true, fully formed stories. You know, Sarah has her own arc and it's really a very equally portioned out um, dual-timeline
1: story. Yeah, it definitely is. So now you're at this stage of this, once again, Linda, where you get to have conversations like this, yet the readers are getting the book, even though the, this is officially pub week for you. Um, what has that experience been like for you? Does it feel the same as, as with the release of the Two-Family House, or what has this experience been like for you with the Matchmaker's Gift to hear back from readers already?
0: This this one, is it feels it feels really special. The matchmate, the The Tea Me House was special because it was my first book and I did have like such an overwhelming response and it was so lovely. And with every book, you know, it's different but this book, um, it seems to be touching people. It's like I said, it's my most joyful book and I think there's something, my other two books were pretty furious Um, and there's something really lovely about bringing people that happiness with a read and I think that it's touching a younger audience because there is this Abby character. So I have both, you know, it sort of appeals to both older and younger people and people in between, which is really nice um, because I think my first two books weren't something that maybe like a 20 year old person would, would pick up, but this one is. Um, and that feels really lovely. And I guess there's just been, you know, a couple of things that have happened this week that have been really exciting just in terms of press and getting it out there that have never happened before. So it's, it's an exciting thing. And then, the other thing is I have to say I've been I was overwhelmed yesterday by all the love just from just so many author friends. I'm very lucky mm. that I've just made so many wonderful friends who are authors and they've been so supportive of of me and I guess this time around I just felt I really felt that I felt like everybody was just rallying around me which was just such a lovely, you know, happy warm feeling.
1: Yeah. There is that uh, great line that uh, Abby, uh, even though I have to say, I think I connect better with Sarah. But there, uh, there is this great, <laughs> this great conversation <laughs> with, with, with Abby and Will. Um, well, Will is recognizing Abby's own superpower. What her superpower is? Um, what, talk to us about that, because again, you wrote this, Linda. What was it yeah. like for you to think of your own superpower?
0: Oh, I don't know if I have the superpower, but it was fun to write about theirs. It's just a funny <laughs> thing like it's it's just so when I was thinking about this gift, right like you're create- you're you're creating characters who have this gift of being able to see other people's soulmates and then one day I was like, huh, what would happen like if you if you had you know somebody you were interested in and you liked them? And then you see that they're meant for somebody else. Like that has got to really stink. That's got to be terrible. <laughs> and so, at, both Sarah and Abby face that, you know, in their own ways. And Sarah, it's, it's more painful because she's really like a, like really, really excited about someone and sees that thread of light connecting him to someone else. And with Abby, it's not quite the same because Abby's, you know, but she she it does happen to her too. She sees that. That someone she's dating, and I hope I'm not giving too much away, but, but someone she's dating is meant for someone else. And it was just a really fun fun scenario to play with, you know, a fun twist on the gift versus burden sort of idea of, of this superpower. Um,
1: right.
0: So that, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to write.
1: Well, I, I tell you, that is what I think makes this book so fascinating. In fact, I said in my review, uh, Linda. I don't think it's live yet, but I said, you know, it kind of encourages the readers to think about their own superpower, to think about what their own gift is, and they may be reluctant, like Abby was, yeah. um, to think of what they do as a, as a superpower or a gift. But I think that's why I made the comment earlier about. The idea of the gift definitely comes through because we all have something, right? We and I think that's the yeah, that's the glorious 100%. thing about this book, right? Yeah, you know, we all have something. It's really up to us to recognize it, but also, as Abby did so well uh, as time went on, but Sarah really did too, and that is to embrace it. You know, to be able to embrace mm-hmm. it because you never know yeah. what's going to happen. 100%. Linda, once again, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. sorry,
0: go ahead. <laughs> no, just to find your place in the world to find where your gifts, you know, work best, lie best. It's just, it's never easy, but it's very special once you do, you know. Exactly.
1: Such a great book and such a great conversation as I knew it was going to be. Congratulations to you again on the Matchmaker's gift. It is available now through our friends at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore. If they don't have it, I know they're more than happy to order it for you. Linda, let our audience know how they can stay connected with you.
0: Sure. Um, I am on all of the social media things. I'm on Facebook um, at Linda Cohen Loigman, author, and I'm on Twitter at Linda Loigman and Instagram at L Loigman. So my name is unusual. If you just put my name in, you'll find me everywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Linda, congratulations again. Thank you so much again for stopping back by and looking forward to our next conversation together.
0: Thank you so much, Cyrus. I love talking to you. So thank you so much for thank, taking the time. Thank
1: you. Definitely. Same for you. And we thank you all, audience, for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care.